Sometimes the mayday call comes with a long explanation. Other times, it's just a message that's short and to the point. Help! I have to photograph a wedding. Have you ever received that call? Ever made that call? Well, today I'm going to cover everything a non-wedding photographer should know before attempting a wedding. Hi there, Canon friends. Welcome to the EOS Photographer Podcast. If you are learning photography using your Canon gear, you're in the right place. Here, we speak with great photographers and extract practical lessons for you. From Rebels to 5Ds, the gear you own is the gear we'll feature. Now, here's your host, Linford Morton. Welcome to episode 118 of the EOS Photographer Podcast. I am so glad to be chatting with you again today. This is a short week. If you took Monday off, which is uh, now Labor Day in the United States this week, and I hope you had a good long weekend. Now, this past weekend, I actually photographed a wedding. Now, I'm going to tell you, I am not a wedding photographer, nor have I ever harbored any ambition to be a wedding photographer or any interest in photographing a wedding. What I am is someone who, when I'm with my family, I'm always the official photographer, no matter what's going on. And and many of you might have that sort of designation as well. If the family gets together and I show up without a camera, everyone wonders what's wrong with me. Like, where is the camera, Lynn? And you might have that too. So, you know, this past weekend, um, my stepdaughter got married, and she and her now husband wanted to have a small, a very small, scaled-down affair. They're trying to save money. And so, you know, when they said, hey, we're not going to have any real vendors of any kind, but we would like some pictures, do you mind taking them? And I thought, of course, because for family, I don't mind doing that. I don't, I wouldn't photograph for anyone commercially, but for family, I might. And, you know, yeah, it's hard to say no to a loved one when they ask for your help. So anyway, so this is what I ended up doing. And it reminded me of some calls that I and, and messages that I get from time to time from photographers saying, hey, I, I, I have to photograph a wedding. Can you help me? And I've never done this before. And I don't know what to I don't know what I should be doing here, but I have this family member, close friend, whomever, and they're trying to keep budget costs down, and they asked me to help out, and I, I'd, I'd like to help out, and I'd, I'd like to do this as a gift to them. I've, I've heard versions of you know, this story, and uh, so I know how, you know how it often comes through to us. And so you know, the thing is, when, you, when I get that call, 
I rarely feel like I have time to answer the question or request fully. You know what I mean? It's like I'll get it as a a, a Facebook Messenger message, and, and I'm thinking to myself, how in the world can I do you expect me to give you a a really full answer on a Facebook Messenger post? So, so anyway, this today is going to be my uh, my response to people who have that same kind of request and anyone who might ask that of me in the future, I'm just going to point them to this episode because we are going to talk about everything you need to know. And it's good timing because I just went through it. So I've got my notes and I had an opportunity to to think about everything that you would need to know and put it into this this episode. All right. So enough of that, enough of the wind up. We will talk about wedding photography after this. Speaking of questions you get, I don't think there's ever, ever uh, a workshop I teach or even a photo walk I go through where I don't have someone who sidles up to me and shows me their, their camera and lens and as we start talking about their gear, they ask me which lens should they buy next. Well, here's the thing. In order for me to answer that question, I have to know a lot more about you, and you need to know a lot more about lenses. So to solve the latter part of that equation, I created a free training called the Ultimate Guide to Canon Lenses. And this is designed to get you up to speed on everything you'll need to know to make uh, an informed and intelligent decision on your next lens. It starts with your kit lens, explains what that is. I go through lenses, basic lens um, terminology and everything you need to know about lenses. I talk about Canon lenses specifically, and then I get into some some general guidance, some things depending on where you are in your learning path, where what you might need to to be thinking about and what lenses you might consider. And then I make some specific recommendations so that by the end of the free training, you can also have an answer to the question, which lens should I buy next? Go to learncanon.com forward slash lenses. Learncanon.com forward slash lenses to start the free training today. Jess has a friend, a dear friend, a friend she goes way back with. And her friend, knowing that Jess takes pictures, asked her to photograph her wedding. Now, her friend is trying to keep costs down. They don't have a lot of money. They just want to get married, and they want to have some documentation of the day. Here's the thing. Jess is a beginner photographer, and while she might not ever take a paid gig to photograph a wedding, she really wants to help out her friend. And better yet, she wants to give this to her as a gift. Because, you know, sometimes as photographers, we think, you know, the best the gift I can give is of my my talents and, and this gift I have of being able to create with my camera. And so Jess gave me a call and says, hey, you know, what should I do 
now to be able to to pull this off. They aren't going to be picky about the pictures they get. They just want someone to cover it. And I really want to do it. So we talked. And, and here are the kinds of things I suggested that Jess think about. And I'll share them with you because if you ever find yourself in a place where you are being asked to photograph a wedding and you aren't a professional wedding photographer, this might be helpful for you as well. All right, so here is everything a non-wedding photographer should know before attempting a wedding. So the first thing I'll start with is just backing up and asking, should you even do it? I I, I recorded a podcast episode on Shutterbug Life. It's number 17 called, Should I Ever Shoot for Free? And I gave five reasons that you would shoot for free and five reasons why you would not shoot for free. So as you can imagine, you can make a case on either side of the argument. You might think about that before you go forward because the premise of this podcast assumes that you want to do the job. You want to take on the responsibility of photographing a wedding. But there might be some times when you say, you know what? I don't think so. And and I would normally take on a, a wedding for a family member, for instance, for a family member who is not going to be able to, to really pay for it themselves and have a, a decent wedding. As a matter of fact, you're either a family member or a very good friend if you get me to shoot a wedding because that's not what I do, one. And then two, I'm really sensitive that I don't take a gig from a working photographer, meaning at some point, if they are paying for all the other vendors, they ought to pay for the photography as well. If they're paying for all the other vendors, They ought to pay for the photography as well. I mean, if they've got a full band, a DJ, an open bar, they've got, you know, this fancy place where, you know, they're catering at a hundred bucks a head or more, then there's no reason that someone with this kind of budget ought to be getting their photography for free. I think we all owe it to ourselves and the industry to make sure that we are ensuring that everyone value the craft of photography. And so there are cases where you might look and say, you know what, you need to pay for a photographer. You don't have to go out and, you know, book a $10,000 wedding photographer, but you ought to pay someone who is earning their living. And so there is that. But on the flip side of that argument, sure, I'll do one for free if it's for a family member and, you know, I have a I want to help them out. I think in the podcast episode, Should I Ever Shoot for Free? One of the tests I use is, would I lend you my car? (laughs) You know, if you came to me and said, hey, I need to to take a car and I want to drive it from New York to D.C., can I borrow yours? If I feel comfortable, you know, throwing you the keys and saying, sure, go ahead. Don't worry about it. There's gas in it. That means we're close enough that I I can photograph your wedding. But if I hesitate and go, "Eh, I don't know you that well, then I'm probably not going to photograph your wedding either. So you've got to think about who it is and, you know, whether there really is a need. And so we'll start with the first question. Should you even do it? And make sure you, you know, give that some consideration. 
All right, so now let's assume that you've decided to do it and we are now getting into the planning phase of photographing the wedding. So what I would suggest you first to do is meet with the couple. Now, you I say the couple, you might be friends with one of them and not the other, but you ought to try and meet with both of them together because it is their wedding. And you might be so close to them that a, that a meeting seems oh, so in, so formal that you don't need to do that. Just you tell me what you need. But I would suggest a meeting, a sit down with them where you sort of force them to think about what what exactly they want from you. And and it will be it's good because you might need to make a transition in their mind from their friend, brother, cousin, whoever you are to them, to a photographer. You are now like a photographer and you might need to help them make that shift so they give you the time and attention that you need to be able to do your job well. Because now you're doing a job. You have an, a responsibility now of you know, capturing the most important day of their lives in a way that they will remember for all eternity. No pressure. So I would sit down and have a meeting with them. Now, in the meeting, you have two main things you want to accomplish. One, you want to understand what they want from you. And two, you want to be able to communicate to them what you can provide for them. And and it seems like the, you know the obvious, but you know within that there are all kinds of nuances and lots of ways or places where you could go awry here. So you're meeting with them because you want to understand the vision for the wedding. What is the plan for the wedding? You know what what does it look like to them, and how do they envision it going on? Um, and how do they envision it? And so you need to have a good understanding of what that looks like as well, because you are going to be documenting it. You want to find out what's important to them as far as their wedding photos. What do they like when they think of wedding photography? Because you know you can have so many different styles and so many different approaches to photographing a wedding, and you might not even be able to photograph it the way they'd like it. So you want to make sure that you have an understanding of what they're looking for and what success looks like for them. An easy way to do that is to ask them to create a mood board. And Pinterest is a good tool for this. You, they can go and, and pick out wedding wedding photos that they like, and they can make a board for you so that you can have an idea of what style they're looking for and what shots are important to them. Now, the other thing you're going to want them to do is create their a timeline for you. And again, if they are going, you know, super laid back, like you know, my stepdaughter, she hadn't even considered creating a timeline because she she knew what she was doing and she invited everyone to come along. And I said, hey, I need a timeline for the entire day. And the timeline is basically, as as it says, starting in the morning, what what is supposed to happen when a schedule of the entire day before during and after the wedding because you're going to look at this now and create your shot list and your whole your itinerary itinerary to know 
where you need to be when and what you'd like to capture. So getting this in, in writing from them helps you, but it also imposes a discipline on them too, so that they are now thinking about you know, what the day will look like and and it forces them into to putting it on paper so that it will surface any potential issues that might arise when they really hadn't thought through how long things should take. And 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 you know the way this worked out for me is when I asked for this and we went through and really looked at everything we saw some some clogs in the day where I said it's we're it's not going to be possible to cover this in this location and that in that location just look at how far apart they are and, and the timing and and you know I physically can't do both so that's how the timeline is helpful the other thing you want to also get is a list of all the family members the VIP family members especially the ones who you are going to want to photograph for for your portrait sessions you might they might want to have portrait sessions with family members you know sometimes they'll have you know the bride with the groom's family and the groom with the bride's family and then everybody with grandma and you know, just just a while you need to go through and and sketch out all of those one by one so that you know everybody you're going to have to shoot and you're going to create a shot list with that as well now between the timeline and this list of of portraits that you are going to shoot it gives you a good chance to now just check and make sure that what they're asking for you is doable so you know i got a request that said hey we we want 30 minutes and we want you to photograph you know these 60 people and i said hey just think about this this is just not going to work because we're going to need to file people through so quickly it's not going to be doable we need more time and and so when you can look at it like that and say look 30 people 30 minutes that's one minute per person if you think we can shuffle one minute per person through here we can do it but more than likely they're not going to be able to get everyone through one minute within one minute it, it would you know while you might technically be able to shoot it that fast a lot of times they aren't going to be that well organized. There's just going to be stuff going on. So you want to at least put down the timeline and the family members they want to shoot so that you can you can understand what what's really going to be required of you. And then that leads into what I was just talking about. It gives you a chance to do some expectation management with your friend and or the couple because they might not be thinking about everything that's going to be required to make a shot work in a certain location. So again, I got on the mood board some images where, you know, the couple is on the edge of a rock and the photographer is a mile away on another rock shooting them overlooking a cliff. And I, and I, we had to go, you know, this is not going to work where we are because we don't have those kinds of terrain features for one and two it would take a while to set this shot up and you can't do this plus everything else in, in 30 to 45 minutes. And so you get a, you have an opportunity now to, to now do some expectation management. And then, so now you can now agree on here are the things that I can deliver 
And uh, now you would expectation management say, here are the kinds of shots we can do. Here are the people and here's the timeline we can do them in. And I'm going to need to have one person who cues them up and shuffles them through so that this can work. You know, here are the circumstances I will need to be successful for you. So I need your help in wrangling them. You know, you get to do that kind of thing in that first session. And then you ought to have an agreement on when you will deliver the final photos. Again, expectation management, because they might think that they can get the pictures that same day. And you'll need some time to to really work on them to give them a good product. So all that goes on in the initial planning meeting. Next, we want to scout the location. So now you know where they're going to have the wedding. You want to be able to scout. And and the whole point of this is you don't want any surprises on wedding day. You want to be able to be in place where you need to. You need to be able to anticipate any any challenges that you need to overcome. You, as much as possible, you want to know exactly the environment you, you and conditions you'll be working in. So if it's an outdoor wedding, like, like I had, you will look up on, on the photographer's ephemeris or photo pills, one of those tools to see what the sun is like and see where it is. And you might try and get to that location around the same time as the wedding, just so you can understand what the light looks like. Same thing about in indoor weddings. If you can get inside the location, you know, that might be helpful too, just to to see to see, you know, what kind of readings you get with your camera, to see, you know, how 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 you need to plan. I mean a seasoned wedding photographer might be able to just walk in and start shooting, but you don't do this every day. So you want to be as prepared as possible. So try and get to that location, scout it, think about where you'll set up to shoot different parts of the wedding because now you have a whole timeline and you know how the wedding will unfold. So you can plan where you will be at, at each point of the wedding and, you know, work, work, you know, move yourself around, see how quickly it takes you to get to from one point to the other, all this good stuff. And then you plot your travel uh, you know, to the wedding so that you know that you can get there on time. And if the wedding and let's say the reception or different parts of the wedding will happen in two different parts of town, for instance, because, you know, that sometimes that will happen. The wedding will be at the church, a reception at a reception hall. You want to plot the time between two of those to see how long it takes you to get there because you might need to get there before everyone else to set up. It all depends. After the wedding, you might find yourself shooting portraits and then having to rush there. You want to understand what kind of time constraints you are working with back to that whole expectation management thing. The other thing you want to do is check parking options. This is what I forgot to do last weekend, and it bit me in the you-know-where because I assumed I'd be able to scoot from one part of you know the setup to the, the beach where the wedding was going to be and, and scoot there and set up quickly and uh, did not anticipate that there would be no place to park much less to you know dump my equipment. So, you know, that became a problem. And and so 
had I checked on that before, I would have known, okay, parking is an issue. So now I need to be prepared to deal with that. And so you always want to think about or ask, you know, is there a parking option? And is there a place for me to unload close to the place where I'll be shooting? Because you don't want to have to hump your equipment up a street and around a corner if you don't have to. So this is all part of scouting the location. So next you want to create your coverage plan. And in creating your coverage plan, you are going to start creating your shot lists. Now, I create my shot list in just a in just a, a to-do app. I use Asana for my project management, so I created a project for the wedding and I created all my shot lists in that app. And you might you know, find, you know, however it works for you, whether you use a piece of paper or an app or a checklist of some kind, you want to create all of your shot list to make sure you don't miss anything important. In the heat of the day, as you are running around and you are busy, it's going to be easy to overlook things. And so you want to make sure that, you know, this is the most important day of their lives and you don't want to miss any shots that that are going to be very important to them. And so the shot list helps you do that. In your coverage plan, you might want to see if you can get yourself an assistant or maybe draft another friend or family member just to help you along. There's a lot that goes on and by yourself, it might be tough. And even though you, even if it's someone who is not a photographer, it might be helpful, as I said before, just to have someone queue up everyone you need for the, the portrait shoot. So you give them the list of who might come next. And so they can, you know, get them all in, in, in queue just waiting so you can cycle through them quickly. Just a little things like that to help you bring in equipment, just any kind of help you can draft. You might want to prepare for that because you don't want to be stuck out there by yourself. The other thing you want to make sure you have is adequate setup and tear down time when you're, when you are reviewing the timeline you know, they they might not realize how much time you'll need. And if you have to set up, for instance, lights and or backdrops or any other, you know, sets to make the portraits work. And again, if you don't do this often enough, you you need to see how long it takes you to set up and tear down and make sure you have enough time to do that and get to the next location. Again, this is another place where that assistance might be helpful. So you will have your coverage plan now. You have your shot lists. You will have your diagrams of the location where you're shooting. You will have the points where you think you will be sh where you'll be shooting from and where you need to be at different times of the ceremony to make sure you get the signature, the kiss, everything, you, the exchange of the rings, all of the high points that you'll have in your shot list, you want to make sure that you know where you need to be to get them um, so that you can ensure your success. So you create your coverage plan so that you can be successful there. And now your gear. So I'm going to give you a list of, I think, the ideal gear for shooting a wedding because Sometimes, as the old Secretary of Defense, Dom Rumsfeld, said, you go to war with the army you have, meaning you shoot the wedding with the gear you have, not the, the ideal gear you'd like. But you might decide that you want to rent some gear, even if you don't own it. So here's what you ought to be thinking about. 
Now, the Trinity, the 16 to 35, the 24 to 70, and the 70 to 200, all F28s. If you could get these three in your bag, man, you are on your way. See, the 16 to 35 and the 24 to 70, these are great choices for the wide angle shots and for the just general reportage and uh, documenting the event as it goes by. You're setting up the wide shot of the whole room and uh, you can even pull out portraits for your 24 to 70, your environmental portraits as you are shooting, which will get a little bit of the, the environment and the area you're located in. You, the 70 to 200 is great for your long portrait work. If you are you know, really um, isolating the couple, that's a great lens for that. And then it will be great to get close-up shots during the ceremony without you needing to really go and walk in front and be distracting because you're going to want to stay out of the way a bit. So the 70 to 200 and, and the 2.8 uh, of all three of those lenses are going to be great choices. You'll want to think about the 100 millimeter macro, and uh, I, I take the L, of course, on that one. And this is good for detail work because you know you've got to get the close up of the rings and the and and the shoes and the veil and all these other you know items that they little details that make the wedding special to them. Because you got to think when when you plan a wedding, you think about every detail and make every every detail represents a decision they made. And so the all these things are important to them, while it just might look like stuff to you. So you want that 100 so you can go in and take some time during that day and just photograph all these little details, the cake, the um, you know, the, the knife, the cake knife, the, the invitations, all these things, you want to go in and isolate them. The 100 is a good lens for that. And then if you, if you can, um, so the, the, some primes, the 28, um, 1.8 and the 50.1.4 are great lenses. Also, if you're in a low light areas, um, you can open up even wider and uh, get some 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 great um, shot in low shots in low light without needing a flash. You ought to keep a flash, or even if you shoot with something else like uh, strobes, you you might need light because a lot of times these weddings happen in dark locations and there are times you're going to need to like like when you shoot portraits to illuminate your subject if you're shooting on an efs or crop sensor lens you, know, you might consider that 17 to 55 f28 is also because it's a great choice for portraits and and, and the wide angle shot so th that's the gear you ought to pack you ought to pack, of course, your tripod and and a stepladder so you can shoot over things, just um, some reflectors, just all the basic tools of the trade. You want to make sure you have um, packed all that good stuff. And the other thing you will, you're going to want to do with your gear is make sure you set up and test everything at least the night before just to make sure everything works, one, and two, just to make sure you don't show with something that needs batteries that doesn't have them. So going through the, just going through the whole process of setting up and firing off everything that you plan to use, 
you know, makes gives you at least some level of confidence that it's there. And then you can, you know, get the settings for where you'd like them and, uh, and make sure that you have everything you need to be successful. I would even pack them in the car if you could the day before. So you make sure you have everything you need that you, and you're not going to forget anything. You can just drive off the next day with it. Okay. So that's your preparation. Now on the wedding day, here it is. Showtime, the big day. You will, of course, arrive early, get set, and then you're working the shot list. You are going through and making sure you get everything they said is important to them, everything you planned to get, checking it off as you get it just to make sure that you have complete coverage. You want to shoot the story, not just individual shots. You know, think about this day as one big giant story you can tell. And that way you can shoot beginning, middle, end, and, and, and little sub stories in between, you know, the big overarching arc of the day. And, and the other thing is you want to not just shoot wide angles. You want to shoot a mixture of, we talked about this before, the wide angle, the portrait length shots of people, and then extreme details. You want to shoot the action and reaction. You want to shoot the height of the action and the height of the emotion. You want to shoot all the things that make for very good and compelling storytelling, because at the end of the day, you are telling a story. You want to shoot for, think about the final product. Are you going to create an album for them? Because if you do, then you are shooting the album. You are shooting, as you're shooting, you're thinking what might go on the cover and might be in portrait uh, orientation. You are thinking about, you know, what might go, you know, how these might unfold in pages and think about that as you're shooting. You might think about this if you are now going to shoot for, you know, an image that you can imagine going on the mantle. Like all couples will want one big wedding picture they can put on the wall on the mantle. And you got to make sure you get that shot wherever it is. And you have to be deliberate about it. Like this is going to be the shot that we put over the mantle, over the fireplace. And, and you're shooting one really hot portrait that they can use for that. So think about all these things as you're, as you're shooting, because you're not just shooting pictures, you're shooting for all the uses they will have uh, for this work, for these images. The other thing you want to do is on a practical, you want to pack snacks and water and stuff for yourself. You're going to be running and from way before everyone you know, starts to sometimes after they're done. And while they might have time to sit and eat and relax, you might be hoofing it the whole time. And so you don't want to get hangry on folks. So you are going to, you know, stash some Snickers bars and some waters where you can, as you're moving from place to place, you know, get a quick snack and, you know, recharge and replenish yourself so that you can get through the day um, if you need to, if it's extremely busy. So that's the wedding day and all the things you'll need to think about for that. Now, after the wedding, as soon as the wedding is over, you're going to back up those photos because the very last thing you want is to have is to lose those images. So, you know what they say for backup. You have at least two physical locations where you'll back it up and one in the cloud. That's a total of three different locations. You want to definitely back this up. 
Now, you probably have a ton of images, but what I would suggest is you go through and maybe pick one or two from each major part of the day so that you can send them you know, within the within 24 hours, at least half a dozen to a dozen images that are representative of the day. You know, this bride and groom are going to, they're going to be very excited about these images and they're going to try and be patient, but you know, they're going to want to see images. And I, I think under expectation management and just for, you know, just to keep their sanity and yours, I would try and plan to Go somewhere and export, you know, a, about a dozen images. You don't have to do, do a whole lot of work, you know, just your basic edits, color correction, cropping, sharpening, that kind of stuff, and then send those to them. Boy, that's they're going to be so appreciative of that. And then, of course, you are going to try and finish and deliver the pictures as promised. Now, by, when the wedding is over, a day or so later, I'm going to tell I'm going to tell you the last thing you're going to want to do is go back and deal with those mountains of pictures. So what you ought to do is just block some time and and really have you have to be deliberate about this. Block some time so you go in there and knock them out and be done with them and send them off because the only thing that will ruin the goodwill of your taken photographs is you're not actually delivering them for months and months and months. And you always hear these horror stories about people who photograph weddings and the pictures never arrive or they arrive six months later. That's not cool. If you dis if you agree to do the, the photographs, you try and get them within two weeks to the couple because you owe them at least that. So finish and deliver the pictures as promised. And then it's a nice touch, as I, as I hinted at before, to create a, a book or a, an album of some kind. You know, take you take the pictures and just arrange them into a nice book or even a, a framed photograph that you can present to them. It's always great, I think, to to get your photographs on paper sent to some printed form that they can actually hold and really, really hold and, and cherish and remember. I know these days, especially if you shoot for the younger folks, if they just have enough to post, they're happy, but let's try and give them something in print as well. All right. So that's it. So now we've gone through everything that you need to to know and, and to think about. You're going to be for the for the wedding. You're going to decide whether or not you really want to do this, if this is something you should do. And then after that, you're going to get into your meeting with them just to make sure that you all have a good understanding about what they want and what you can provide. You're going to get into your planning. You're going to scout the location. You're going to create your coverage plan. You're going to get your gear ready. You're going to rent anything you need to supplement your gear. And then on, you're going to, you know, track where it is. You're going to make, you know, you're going to understand what the parking situation is, the lighting situation. You're going to plan your entire day. And then on the wedding day, all you're doing is working your shot lists and making sure you're telling stories and capturing everything from the first kiss to the parents, you know, having that one tear trickle down their eyes. And after the wedding, you're going to back everything up and then you're going to get them some images right away and then and then try and get the full batch of images to them within two weeks and, and then get them something on paper, a print of some kind that they can always keep hold on to and 
cherish. So that's it. With all this, you are in a good place to deliver a reasonably decent, <laughs> let, let, let's be a little more ambitious than that. You should be in a good place to cover the wedding in a way that would make you proud and them happy. So there you have it. Let me know if you have any questions or if there's anything else you would do in covering a wedding. This is episode 118. You can leave a comment there or wherever you see this in social media. Now go out there and photograph a wonderful wedding. All right, we have reached the end of another episode, and I thank you for for sticking with me and for sharing with me in today's lesson. Now, the next time someone asks you to shoot a wedding, I, I hope that you are better prepared based on what we talked about. Now, remember, there is a free download of the shot list in PDF form that you can you can you can get, and you don't need to enter email or anything. Just go to episode one eighteen, the show notes, and you can take that down. So, go ahead and download that now. Now, by the way, this is a series that I'm actually going to be doing. The Help I Have to Photograph series is what I'm calling it. And and I did a similar kind of episode a while back, Help I Have to Photograph an an Event, because I was getting a lot of those kinds of questions too. So if you have a situation that you have to photograph and you would like some advice on how to, to, to do it, then just shoot me an email, lynn at eosphotographer.com, and let me know what that is. And, uh, you know, I might try to cue that up into the Help I Have to Photograph series, all right? Well, did you like this episode? If you did, I'm going to ask you to take a moment and rate and review us over on Apple iTunes. It's it's a way to signal to Apple and and the the smart people over there that this is a podcast that does provide helpful information, and they will then also make help us get the word out to other photographers as well. So so go ahead and take a moment. Give a rating and review if you can. I would certainly appreciate that. And if you haven't done so yet, go ahead and subscribe. What are you waiting on? Go ahead and subscribe. eosphotographer.com forward slash subscribe or Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, Google, anywhere you listen to podcasts. You ought to be able to find us because we're everywhere now. All right. So that's it for today. Thank you so much. You have a great weekend. I hope you get to photograph something fun and interesting. Let me know what that is. Why don't you? Anyway, you can find me at Learn Your Canon anywhere on social. I will talk to you again next week. Until then, let's go create something amazing with our cameras. Take care.